1: I'm also found at Kate Campbell, AUS, on Insta.
0: And I'm Owen Rask, AU, on Insta.
1: Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us.
0: And just one final heads up before we get into the show this podcast contains general financial information only.
1: Welcome back to today's episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Campbell. And today I'm talking to Jessica Brady a leading and award-winning financial advisor in Australia who has over 17 years of experience in the financial services industry. I've got in Jess on the show to talk about superannuation. Remember that money that you and your employer are putting aside for future you? Because there's so much to cover here. We're going to split this episode into two parts. So stay tuned for part two later this week. And we'll have all the resources that Jess and I mentioned in today's episode in the show notes so you can dive in deeper. Jess, thank you so much for joining me on the show today.
2: Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Now, we're talking about a very important topic today. And since this is your bread and butter as a financial advisor, I was wondering if you can give us the elevator pitch of why this conversation is so important and why listeners should really stay tuned for both parts as well.
2: Yes. If you are young and you've decided to listen and then thought, oh no, it's on super, I'm totally not interested, please stick with us. Hopefully by the end of these two parts, you will be convinced that superannuation is a really important uh, consideration no matter what age you are. Look, it's likely to be one of the biggest assets that you ever have. And if you want to do fun stuff and have choice and freedom in your latter years, then right now, irrespective of your age or where you're at in your career, you need to see it as your investment portfolio because that's what it is. And you need to take steps and measures to make sure that you're invested correctly and that you're not going to run out of money. I want everyone to have loads of money to do lots of cool stuff in retirement. And I'm really worried that if we don't get a handle on it early in life, we're actually limiting our options for later us.
1: So in a nutshell, if this is the first time someone's listening to any form of content on superannuation, what is the purpose of super broadly and for us personally? Yes.
2: So as I said just before, I want you to think of it as your long, long long-term investment pool, because I think the concept, although even just the word superannuation immediately checks people out. They're like, oh, this is boring. I don't even really understand it. I'm still in the same fund that I've been in since I was, I don't know, 16 and working. No, thanks. But when we start seeing it as our investment pool of money and we know that it's for our long-term freedom and long-term choice, I think we can start connecting the dots and going, oh gosh, this is my money and it is being invested and it is or isn't going to give me freedom and choice depending on how much I have in there. So broadly, superannuation is a very tax-effective environment for us to invest our money for our really latter years.
1: Yeah. And personally, we we do that through our own contributions and our employer contributions?
2: Yeah, so there's a number of different ways. The most common one that I see, particularly for young people, is that their employer is putting away money every pay cycle to have invested on your behalf. So the government basically decided many, many years ago that they didn't really want to have to pay uh, for everyone who was living uh, into their older years. So I think it was like 1880 or something in Germany. This guy decided, I know. Why don't we start some sort of pension system and then sort of as we have evolved, as we've started living longer, places like Australia have started figuring out, okay, well we can't have all of these old people who are going to live for a really long time be relying only on us as a government to fund their living costs. So why don't we get them to squirrel away a little bit of money that they can't touch every pay cycle so that they can self-fund their retirement? Because frankly we aren't, when this was designed, We were only meant to live a few years. And as our life expectancy has gone up and up and up, governments have realised, oh, goodness, if we don't fix this, we're in for a lot of cash for a long time. So it's a very clever move by the government, but I also think it's really exciting for us because we know that there's money that's been allocated for latter years. It's just what you do with it and how you make it work because there are some great things you can do with very minimal effort that have a significant uh, impact
1: And one of the things I'm excited to explore during this two-part series is how much choice we actually have when it comes to our super, because a lot of us, we had super funds set up when we were doing part-time jobs in high school, in uni, and we we don't really connect with that money as our own. Correct. That's what
2: I see a lot. People just see it as sort of almost fake money. Mm. And I say to them, you know, look at your balance. If I put that in cash on your dining table and said, do you care about where I take this? and go and invest it for you, you would be like, ah, uh, yeah, I care a lot. That's a lot of money I can see there. But because it's a little bit invisible for a lot of people, they don't have a lot of visibility or they've never really engaged with their super fund. They don't see it as their money and they don't see those choice and options as theirs. They just assume that the super fund dictates everything and that they just have to go along for the ride, which is
1: not true. Mm. And one of the difficulties is connecting with something so far out in the future because a lot of us won't be touching our superannuation money for decades. And so it can feel like it's, it's so far removed from us that we have no control over it. And do you know how we can start feeling more connected to that money?
2: Yeah, and I think you're right. Like human beings are not evolved enough to think about future us. Like we are designed to keep us safe right now and to make decisions right now. And so, annoyingly, we have to try to override that very instinctive part of our brain to go, no, I do need to care about future me. I have to be vigilant and take some time to think about what do I want that future to look like? And look, there are challenges and limitations. Like, let's be really honest, not everyone's going to make it to retirement age. Mm -hmm. But banking on the fact that you're not going to make it to retirement age is a really obviously strange strategy But I understand the confusion and sometimes the frustration because it is a system that is highly regulated and government can make changes. You know, they just Mm. uh, only a few years ago, they pushed out the retirement age. And I don't think that's a bad thing because as I said, we're starting to live longer. And I fully expect, Kate, that by the time we get there, the retirement age is going to be longer again. And that's a reflection of life expectancy. So look, I know right now you may not even know what you're having for dinner tonight or what you're doing next weekend. And so me telling you to think about and care about you in 30 to 40 years is a pretty hard task. But I want you to think about what it would feel like in 30 to 40 years to look back and be so frustrated at yourself because you realize at that point that you could have done something that was probably not a huge amount of time that could have given you significantly more financial stability and security and the ability to be able to do things that are really exciting for you. So, if you can't connect with it right now, think about how terrible it would be to realize that you've left hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table and physically what that would prevent you from doing. Often Mm. our brains need that sort of fear trigger to be thrown into action. I know it's not the most motivational thing to say, but that is what the studies show us. And look around, look at the people in your community, look at the people uh, that are on the streets and start thinking about what if I was in a vulnerable position? You know, those people, a lot of the people who are financially vulnerable today are not people who lived on the poverty line their whole life. They are often people who had jobs, who probably had assets, and at some point something didn't go quite right and they were not financially prepared for it and it's left them in a very precarious state i don't want anyone to be in that state no one wants no one aspires to be Mm. in that state and so if you're really struggling look at the people around you perhaps it's someone in your family or your circle or maybe it's that you just see someone walking past who looks like they're having a tough time and commit to yourself that you're going to do something to make sure you've done everything possible to never get there
1: I know when we chatted a few weeks ago, one of the other strategies you were talking about was looking at yourself as an older version of you, like using one of those AI softwares to say, put 40 years onto my current photo and then using that to sort of think about what is future you going to be like then and what does future you want and what kind of money do you need to support that?
2: Yes, you're 100% right. So there was a wonderful study done by uh, a New York research lab that looked at our inability to really connect with future us. And so they did a con- they did two control groups. The first one, just us as we are trying to invest and save for future us. Needless to say, they didn't do overly well as a control group. But the second group, what they did exactly to your point was they got a photo of them. They digitally aged them so that they could actually see what they will look like when they're old. And that group significantly improved levels of savings and investing for future them. So if you're really struggling, go on Instagram or go on one of your face apps and get a photo of you, put the age filter on and see the person there and start thinking, what does that person want? What does that person need? And that can often help as well.
1: One of the challenges that listeners often raise and I see talked about in community conversations is that balance of current you versus future you. Because I think one of the fears of putting money into super is that you can't touch it for so long. And what if you need that money tomorrow because your car breaks down? How do you approach that balance? Because it's a different, Mm. it's a challenging trade-off, isn't
2: it? Oh, it is such a, it's a trade-off. It is a trade-off. And, you know, I think the financial advice community in Australia spends far too much time solely focusing on retirement and superannuation. And I think that they are Doing that at the detriment of realizing that particularly for young people, we are constantly navigating trade-offs and that's not going away. In fact, for some of you, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And so just recognizing that that's normal and that we do always have competing priorities, particularly with our money, especially with what's going on in the world at the moment. Uh, So that's not going away. What I like to do is make sure that we aren't overfeeding one at the cost of starving the other. Hmm. So, I don't want you to put money in super and then your car break down and you be in a very vulnerable position. I would never recommend that. Everyone, in my personal opinion, should have an emergency savings fund which should be a couple of months worth of expenses squirrelled away in cash or something that's easily accessible, not linked to any financial markets to get you out of an emergency. Then, obviously depending on what your other goals are, we should start cutting the money based on the goal. The thing is, a lot of people who I have worked with, we start salary sacrificing uh, into super for them, tiny amounts. And over time, we lift it. And you know what a lot of them say to me, Mm "Kate, I didn't even notice it gone. I didn't even feel it. And so if your money is really tight and you know where every penny goes, now may not be the right time to do it. But if you can be realistic with yourself and say, you know what, maybe I could do, I don't know, $10 every pay, $20 every pay, $30 every pay, obviously commence with what your income is and just start and then see. If you notice straight away, it's causing a huge impact in your life, get your HR team, your HR team to stop it. And go back to life as normal but i think particularly because of the tax implications it has as well many people will never notice it until they start seeing that their super is doing amazing work and they will be very very grateful so that's just a really easy thing you can start straight away and you can stop really quickly and easily if you need to as well that shouldn't be deterring us you know if you want to buy a house if you want to have kids you want to travel and have fun awesome i don't want you to stop doing that because i want you to retire one day That's crazy. But navigating the mix is tricky and you do need to make sure that you're giving
1: at least some effort and energy to your superannuation as well. Mm, And I guess that's that misconception that you need to put a lot of money into super, but you can just transfer $5 if you wanted to. I have tried it before and it works. It gets added to your super fund.
2: You totally can. I mean, this is the whole thing. Like people sometimes think it needs to be this big, grandiose thing actually, as I said, sometimes starting small and leveling up over time is a really smart way because you're, you're used to it and you can cope and then leveling up becomes far easier rather than going from like zero to hero, which can feel like a lot. And then you're like, oh God, I just put so much in super and now I feel that I've trapped that money away forever, mm. which is not entirely true. We have conditions of release. We have the first time super saver scheme if you want to pull some of those contributions out, but you should really think of your retirement uh, savings as that. Money, for later you. Uh, so yeah, totally. I didn't know that you could do $5. I've never tried to do a $5 uh, additional contribution, but that's good to know. If you're making it personally, there's some tax things you need to think mm-hmm. about and some forms. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend like chucking in five bucks from your um uh bank account every now and then. I would probably prefer a system that is automated to take out the life admin and get you that habit and consistency rolling, which is what we love to see when it comes to financial habits.
1: And the other interesting discussion is when we're thinking about short-term, maybe like you mentioned, the the holiday or the emergency fund, they might be short-term goals we're working towards. We might have super as our long-term goal, but we also might be thinking about investing, which I know a lot of listeners of the show are thinking about making their first investment or they have made their first investment in the last few years. Are you able to talk through maybe some of the pros and cons of investing inside and outside a super?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And congrats to those of you who have already started investing. It's a really exciting step. And for those of you that are on the fence, good luck. And we hope that you start investing soon for future you. Like everything, there are always pros and cons. I would love to tell you that there's a perfect solution that has no downsides, only up. That is not true. So let's talk about pros of investing in your personal name first up. So loads more choice and options in terms of, you know, what platforms you use, the fees, et cetera. You know, you get full control, which is really exciting, both in how you purchase it, but what you purchase. Uh, You get unrestricted. Access in terms of age, obviously, it depends what you're investing in. You don't just sell a property tomorrow and then get all the cash that afternoon. But it's not like superannuation. We have to wait years and years and years. Mm. So we love long-term investing strategies, particularly because most people don't want to have to wait till that retirement age. Uh, The downsides, tax. Tax and also us being human beings we tend to, you know, behavioral economics is something that's super fascinating. Mm. So there there is no better tax environment than superannuation, which will be a a pro in the super column. Uh, But I also know that sometimes when we have investment portfolios for long-term us, if something happens in someone's life, we can sometimes really rashly change tact in the heat of the moment And lots and lots of people have taken lots of money off the table because they decide all of a sudden that their friend's dinner party conversation was, you know, something they're going to go all in in and then next minute they're selling out of something and they're putting their money somewhere else. There can just be a lot of chopping and changing because we are humans and we make decisions sometimes that aren't overly well thought through. You can totally do that within super as well. But because people have an element of disconnect with super, Mm. uh, you know, in a good sense, that actually often prevents that from happening. So personal investing is all about freedom uh, of when you get it, what you invest in. You're just going to be taxed more. Superannuation uh, restrictions and cons are around accessing the money and the fact that the government does have control and autonomy to take uh, up legislative changes, which we can't fight. Uh, But the benefits are you're invested for a really long time and that – you have a tax rate that you cannot get anywhere else unless you're, you know, earning a really low amount of income. You know, a tax at 15%, assuming that you're under the caps, is amazing. And it means that money that you're putting in is going to go far further in terms of being able to grow and earn those returns, which also earn returns, then of course, uh, potentially the
1: money that's being taxed in your personal investment. And that lower tax rate inside of super is essentially the government's way of incentivizing you to put money aside for future you.
2: Yes. Yes, because we all love the idea of saving tax. We are like enamoured by the thought of tax deductions and tax discounts. And so, yes, it's a clever way to incentivize us to think of it as our long-term fund where the money goes further.
1: And that's a, that's the thing. We can do both. We can invest inside and outside of super as part of our long-term strategy, especially we might want to retire before the the government retirement age, but we we can do both as part of our strategy.
2: Yeah. Most people I work with, our strategy was to do both. I personally do both because I think it is imperative based on the goals that I have to look after long, long long-term me, and that's through superannuation, but also to have the ability to retire early and to have that level of financial freedom with personal investments. And so, yeah, I think most young people want all the money they can have <laughs> and they don't want to sacrifice anything. And being able to invest personally for long-term them but maybe not retirement superannuation access age mm-hmm. them is a really smart thing.
1: I know when we were talking a few weeks ago you had some thoughts on the financial independence retire early, the FIRE community and their their approach to superannuation in Australia, maybe where they're going right and maybe some of the challenges in their approach. Are you able to chat about that a little bit more?
2: Yes, totally happy to. So the fire community, and look, like any community, it's a spectrum of opinions and there are some diehard fire people. Hello. Uh, Many of them don't like superannuation and it sort of makes sense if you understand the crux and the core of what fire is about, which is, you know, saving as much money and investing as much money to get you to a certain point so that you don't have to work anymore. So because they're trying to get you to retire as early as possible, that's the aim of the game, typically in the FIRE world, uh, using a system like superannuation, which is years and years, if not decades and decades until you can access it, it doesn't fit that model. So there's a couple of things that I think should be cautionary if that is your strategy. Uh, Firstly, I don't love the acronym FIRE because I think the concept of retirement and retiring early, it just brings up illusions for me of like blue hair and bingo. And I'm totally fine if you want to do blue hair and bingo. But I love um, there's a wonderful lady in WA called Lacey Filipich, and she has instead an acronym called FITR, FITR, Financial Independence, Time Rich. And I think that makes sense so much more to me, who you know sees time as an asset and sees that asset uh, when you are financially independent, meaning that you can do whatever you like. So coming back to your question. I love the idea that people are financially independent. I hope people get there. For many people, they won't, but for the people that do, congratulations. However, if you're solely pumping all of your money into your personal investments, and then you stop working, you have two problems you're not having your employer putting in those contributions, which bank up over time, but also you're not using superannuation as the vehicle that it was designed for and getting all of those amazing benefits uh, like the tax uh, discount. You know, the the classic FIRE model looks at 4% returns, but it also doesn't take into account, you know, wild situations like where we have inflation that's the highest it's been in 30 years. And so the concern for me is that You know, based on the methodology of, you know, 25 times expenses and getting a 4% return, if you aren't working or if you don't have some level of money that's coming in over and above what your return is going to be, you either need to really drastically reduce your costs, which in the fire community, a lot of them already have. Like a lot of them really, really save hard to get there you need to think about some of the macroeconomic conditions that might impact that. So, again, it comes back to, you know, narrowing
1: in on only one strategy I don't think is the optimal strategy. Mm. And there's a lot of different things to think about. And so that's why I think it's important to have that inside and outside of superannuation discussion because – Chances are most of us are going to live a quite a long time. And I know that's something else you're quite passionate about talking about because we don't realize often how long we're going to live for.
2: Yeah, this is something that is honestly worrying to me. So I only have ever worked in a financial advice sense with young people. Um, Most advisors work with people who are already at that retirement age. And so for them, you know, the current life expectancy tables are probably going to be about thereabouts, right? But I have no idea what medical advancements are going to look like in the coming decades, and we don't know what that's going to mean for life expectancy. And it's wonderful if it means that we're going to have much longer, healthier, fulfilling lives, but it's not if it means that we're going to run out of money ahead of that. So longevity risk or the risk that you run out of money is real. It's real now, even with our current life expectancy. Mm. Throw in medical advances, technological uh, changes, And a a financial system that moves really slowly, I worry that we haven't yet thought enough about what this could mean for young people and how precarious many people's lives might be in their older years.
1: Yeah. And a lot of us now are struggling with the cost of living and we might not be able to add any extra money to superannuation.
2: Uh, Well, the good news is, come 1 July 2023, your employer is going to dip in some more for you anyway. So we're moving from 10.5% to 11%, and it'll keep going up until we reach that 12%, I think in 2025. uh, Acknowledgement that the old amount that we used to get was probably not going to accumulate to enough. So it's totally fair that, particularly at the moment, you may not have any additional money that you're able to contribute. Hopefully, you know, you'll be excited by the idea that extra cash is going in from your employer. The question really is, is it going in because your employer is going to give you a little half percent pay rise and that's reflected in the extra super contribution? Or will you get a shock in your first pay packet in July realizing, oh dear, they've taken that half a percent out of my take home pay because employers can do it differently. So you need to find that out.
1: Mm, I know that was a big conversation topic over the last few years with these super changes, whether your salary was including super or super was on top of your salary, because that would be quite different come 1st of July, what actually happens with your take home pay, you might just get extra money in super or you might have more money taken out of your paycheck. You should 100% get clarity
2: on that when you're looking to take on a new role. So make sure you understand, is this the total package inclusive of that? Because as you say, 11% missing from your pay packet that you expected is a huge shock. And so, you know, you don't want to find that out after you've signed the contract, after you've started the job and think, oh, my goodness, I have just done myself out of an enormous amount of money that I thought I was expecting. And I took the role based on, you know, my understanding most people only make that mistake once, I would hope that you don't need to make that mistake once and you can get clarity on that straight away.
1: And what about some of the challenges that specific groups face when dealing with their superannuation? I know we're going to talk about more of the numbers when it comes to super in part two, but mm. there's a lot of groups that might find it more difficult to accumulate enough super to retire off and look yeah. after them in, in retirement.
2: Yeah. And we don't like talking about this because it's an uncomfortable truth, but it is a reality. And I mean, you and I are both women. And so, you know, we need to be having conversations with other women in our lives. And if you are someone who is not a woman, but you know one, I would encourage you to have that conversation as well. Yes. Superannuation as a system, frankly, wasn't designed with women in mind. It wasn't looking at the natural, normal lives of women. Does that mean all women? No, of course it doesn't. There are some women who never take time out of the workforce. There are some women who earn more than their male partner. But for the collective of women, we have to recognise that right now most of them do take periods in and out of the workforce. We earn less. And what that is culminating to is women with significantly less amounts of wealth, including superannuation. Factor in that we live longer and more and more women are ending up in homelessness situations and, you know, long-term poverty at the end of their life. I read a stat the other day which was terrifying. Women in Australia earn $1 million less on average over their lifetimes than men. And so if you think about the opportunity loss both from a superannuation and a personal investing uh, sense as well, there are enormous barriers that exist For us. And also, divorce leads to, you know, significant wealth destruction often. Uh, And so these are really challenging situations, particularly if you look at older women who may not have had a career and who may have never contributed to super. You know, there's something like one in four women in Australia today have no retirement savings. And they are totally reliant on government subsidies. I don't know if you know much about them. That's the equivalent of living in modern day poverty. You know, if you think that the pension will be your sort of plan, I'd highly encourage you to figure out what the pension rate is today. Go and try to live off it for a couple of weeks. And then perhaps it's time to sit and redo your strategy because it's not a lot of money. And why would we aspire to that when we can do so much more?
1: Mm. And what are some of the things we can maybe do individually about that, whether it's us that we think will take time out of the workforce or so we have to look after someone or raise children um, or it's someone that we, we love that's going to be in that position.
2: Yeah, and you're right. Like this is a systemic issue where, you know, governments need to do more thinking and work here. Employers need to do more thinking and work here. But sometimes... It's frustrating to not feel like you're empowered to do anything yourself. And frankly, we can't wait for them to get their act together because goodness knows how long it might take. So I think the first thing is, let's talk about it. Talking about money, talking about investing, talking about superannuation to your friends who you know will hate it. They need it the most. And so normalizing money conversations and asking questions, where's your super? Why is it there? What have you, how much have you got right now? How do you know whether that's any good? These collective conversations have big ripple effects and normalizing them and getting people to scratch the surface and go, I don't know. That's a good question. And, you know, creating that little trigger in the back of your mind that's like, "Mm, I probably should check that out or realizing that your friend is all over it and you didn't know going, oh my goodness, I had no idea they were so good at this, right? This has motivated me. I totally need to go and have a look. So I think Having conversations, creating awareness, and then we need to take action. You know, f- sometimes people tell me that they're too busy, that they don't have enough time to get on top of this, and I say to them very, very clearly, you do not have time to waste. There is no greater time. You should have done it yesterday. If you didn't, that's okay. Today is the day. Like we have to stop kidding ourselves and saying that we don't have time. I get that we're all busy, but getting getting time is not going to happen. I mean, we've just had the most boring social life probably of our whole, you know, millennia for the last few years. If you didn't use that time to get on top of your super stuff, then maybe it's about being honest and saying, I didn't need more time. I actually just needed to carve out that time and make that time and commit to myself that I am important, that my goals are important and that I cannot let myself down. I think that that's very important. Also have friends, uh, sorry, have conversations with friends who are going on parental leave, ask them, are you splitting your super with your partner for the period of time where one of you isn't working? Most people will be like, can you do that? Yes, you can do that. You know, so making sure that you are agitating and creating opportunities for people to learn because most people don't know enough about it and they don't lean into it. You are obviously here and still listening, thank you. Uh, I think that you are in a really great position and you don't need to have all of the answers to just start conversations and say, I don't know everything either. Do you want to sort of learn about it together? We love accountability in this stuff because it gets work done.
1: Mm. And that's so much of this, unless you're specifically searching out the information, whether it's on the, the ATO website, or you're going to Money Smart, or you're listening to a podcast, you often won't come across all of this information about superannuation because we don't learn about it at school. And unless a friend or a family member prompts us to, gives us that nudge on the shoulder to check our super, check our employer's actually paying it, says, do you know where your super is? A lot of us will not check in for years at a time. Totally. And I actually had one of my clients um, who was in his
2: late 30s and I looked at his super balance and I looked at his income and I went, your super is really high. Like what's happened? Did you put an additional... Uh, a mountain. He said, my first boss pulled me aside and said, I'm going to make you put some of your pay into superannuation. And he said, he sat me down and really sort of explained to me why I need to care. And similar to my earlier comment, he only started with a little amount. He said, I never forgot that. And you know, he's not really old yet. And already, he has a significant amount more in super than other people in his age. So, you know, I would love for employers to, you know, do more around educating their staff, particularly young staff, particularly grads, around the benefit and just the ease. We make it sound like it's really complicated. It doesn't actually need to be that complicated. And you'll probably find that in years to come, you will have a lot more than you would have had had you done nothing.
1: And if someone's listening to this and they're a little bit older, maybe they're closer to retirement than you or I, is it? Is it ever too late to do something about our super? It's never too late to get on top of money in a broader sense
2: ever. You know, throwing up the towel and being like, well, I'm old now. Is probably not the right thing because if you think about we were talking about before around life expectancy let's say you're in your 50s or your 60s you might still live for many decades and that's a long time for your money to last so no I'd like to myth-bust that you're never too old you might be too old to take a lot of risk like some of the younger people are able to do but that doesn't mean you can't do anything Um, I would suggest if you're in those later years either go and do some really focused research yourself or, of course, go and reach out to someone who looks after people that are in similar situations
1: to you to make sure that you're maximizing your money. Wonderful. Well, in part two, we're going to look at how much super you should have, what to do if you've got multiple super funds, how to know if your super fund is any good, and talking about growing your super balance. But, Jess, if you want people to take one thing away from today's conversation, what would that be? Superannuation is your money. It's your money. I want you to think of it right
2: now on your dining table or on your kitchen bench in like wads of cash. If I came to you and said, I'm just going to take this and I'm going to invest it. Don't worry. I got this. I know that most people would be like, absolutely not. Who are you and where are you taking the money? Please think of it exactly the same as that. So it's your money. It's going to give you enormous amounts of choice
1: if you get it right. And it's going to lead to enormous amounts of stress if you don't. Amazing. Well, Jess, if people want to learn a bit more about you and what you're getting up to before part two comes out, where would you like them to head to?
2: Yes. So I'm no longer doing one-on-one financial advice. I basically realized that most people need it yet can't afford it. So I do online financial literacy programs uh, that are much cheaper and you can find out more about them at jessicabrady.com.au.
1: Wonderful. Well, Jess, thank you so much for joining me for part one of this super crash course. And I can't wait to chat to you for part two later this week.